Hey folks, I want to tell you about my good friends at Badger Custom Grips. Uh, if you're tired of your same old boring grips on your revolver and you're ready to add a touch of style and personalization, look no further. Badger Custom Grips is here to revolutionize your shooting experience. Go to www.badgercustomgrips.com today and unleash your creativity if you're not sure where to start. They have a team of experienced professionals led by a passionate Gamecock alumnus and owner ready to assist you every step of the way from choosing the right grip material to designing unique patterns and engravings. They will help you create a one-of-a-kind grip that perfectly matches your revolver. And here's a special offer for all of our listeners. If you use the discount code RISE, that's R-I-S-E, like Carolina Rise, during checkout, you'll get a special discount on your first purchase. So go visit www.badgercustomgrips.com today and explore their extensive selection of custom grips for Smith & Wesson, Colt Revolvers, any other brand you may want. That is Badger Custom Grips, owned again by proud Gamecocks, proud sponsors of Carolina Rise and the Late Night Gamecocks show with Matt Anderson. And now, here's Matt. You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecocks show. This is episode 10 of the show, and I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. I'm recording this show on Monday, July 17th, 2023. As always, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt Anderson, and I am your host for all things Gamecocks After Dark. You can always reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. Again, that is latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. A quick reminder, this show records twice per week. So Mondays and Thursdays... Um, or when you know we're going to have new episodes coming out. Usually they hit your, I don't know if you do, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, wherever you find podcasts. But um, usually they, they pop up on Tuesdays and Friday mornings. Monday's episodes are usually spent recapping this past weekend, while Thursdays are spent previewing the upcoming weekend. Again, thank you for joining me tonight, and let's get on to the show. On tonight's show, we're going to talk about some recent recruiting college decisions, a look at the recruiting board as it sits as of tonight, and talk a little bit of baseball. And then I put together a history of Shane Beamer's recruiting um, success as an assistant coach and head coach, and basically what he's learned and what the future holds for South Carolina. So I'm really excited for this episode. It's one that I uh, put a lot of thought into, and I'm just so excited to share it with you all right now. So let's start with baseball. Major League Baseball had their annual draft this past week, and the Gamecocks had a number of guys selected. I'm going to run through all the guys that were picked um, in case you missed it. It's always good when Gamecock baseball players get selected in the Major League Baseball draft because it just really, really just shows how how much success you can have as a Gamecock baseball player if you choose to come here. So the the first Gamecock player that was selected was pitcher Jack Mahoney. Um, first Gamecock off the board. 
Um, he went to the Colorado Rockies and he was selected in the third round at pick number 77th overall. So Jack Mahoney, we all know, had a, had a great career as a Gamecock, uh, had an injury. Um, uh, I think it was last year and then he battled back and he was just rock solid for the Gamecock. So to get picked in the third round of the 77th pick overall, anytime like you're a top 100, top 200 kind of kid, that's just a testament to what you put into the sport. So really excited for Jack Mahoney. Pitcher Will Sanders was selected by the Chicago Cubs at the 113th pick overall, and that was in the fourth round. Will Sanders was on a lot of boards as a potential first or second round pick coming into the season. He didn't have the season that I think he hoped for, but Still, just an awesome Gamecock career. So happy for him to get drafted. We're always so excited when these kids are able to start their professional journey in, in any sport, not just not just you know Major League Baseball, but South Carolina has a great track record of putting players in the professional ranks. So congratulations to Jack Mahoney and Will Sanders. Pitcher Matt McDuffie, or Matt Duffy, I'm sorry. Well, we barely knew you, my friend. Um, congratulations. You know, you decided to become a Gamecock. You announced your intention to transfer to South Carolina, but then you had to go and get drafted in the fourth round to pick 115th overall to the Boston Red Sox. For those of you that don't know, um, Duffy was the 2023 MAAC. So Mac, there's, there's Mac, which is like MAC, and then there's the MAAC. But he was a part of the MAAC conference, and he was the pitcher of the year for Canassus last season. So despite the transfer commit, he will not be in the Garden and Black next season, next season on the, on the baseball diamond. So Matt Duffy, congratulations. We barely knew you, but excited for what's in store for you as a professional. The next guy that came off the board was pitcher Noah Hall, and he was picked by the New York Mets at pick 216th overall in the seventh round. All you Gamecock fans know that Noah Hall was a kid that everybody was excited about. He was off to a fantastic start this season before injuries kind of kind of came up and bit him in the bit him in the backside. But Noah is a good kid and excited for him to move on to professional ranks and going to the New York Mets. We wish him all the success in the world, except when he's playing the Atlanta Braves, which are my favorite team in Major League Baseball. The first position player off the board for the Gamecocks was shortstop Braylon Wimmer, who was selected by the Colorado Rockies in the eighth round at pick number 232. Really happy for Wimmer. Uh, Wimmer was picked last year in the 18th round. He decided to come back to college for an extra year. Really happy to see him bumping his draft stock up and getting into the top 10 rounds. It'll really be cool to see Wimmer and Mahoney both potentially suiting up together in the Rockies organization as their professional careers begin. I have no idea where either of these guys are going to start, whether it's single A, double A, rookie ball. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really a cool story for these guys to be able to start their careers together. Another pitcher, um, James Hicks, was selected by the Houston Astros in the 13th round at pick 404th overall. And then the last player from last year's roster that was drafted was Cade Alston, uh, pitcher. And Cade went to the New York Yankees in the 19th round to pick 582. 
As far as baseball recruits being drafted, infielder George Wilkow was selected in the seventh round at pick 209th overall. And outfielder Rowdy Rodriguez was picked by the Los Angeles Angels at pick 564th overall in the 19th round. Uh, George George Wilkow was a kid that the Gamecocks were hoping to get to campus. He just has so much raw power. And as a big six foot six, I think, infielder, he's just an absolute monster. I knew it was going to be tough for the Gamecocks to get him to school. When I was watching him kind of slip down through the draft, I was hoping there was a chance. But John Whittle was pretty Johnny on the spot here saying that he expected George to be drafted in the top 10 rounds and ultimately sign a professional contract. So we wish George and Rowdy the best. Um, I know that they will probably still be Gamecock fans throughout their professional journey. And you, you can't, you can't get them all. I mean, you can't get all the kids that, that you sign in the high school class. So excited for those, those kids, just so everyone is clear. Most players drafted, will ultimately sign with the professional club that drafted them. There's been some changes over the last couple years where sometimes a kid drafted in the, I don't know, 12th, 13th, 15th, 18th round, in Braylon Wimmer's case last year, might come back to school. But most of the time, the, the kids that get drafted sign, especially players drafted inside the top 10 rounds of the draft, so the Gamecocks didn't have many players that went after the top 10 rounds. With slot money and the, and the way that the MLB draft works, a lot, of these, a lot of these professional baseball teams are not going to risk drafting somebody that they cannot sign. So in the past, we've talked about slot money and you know what somebody earned last year based on their draft position. But really, at this point, slot money is kind of arbitrary. Yeah, the professional teams are going to make sure that they're able to sign the guys that are their higher-end draft picks. And they'll, they'll often use a fourth-round pick on somebody they really like that they know they can get for half of slot money. So... Anybody that's drafted, I would just assume that they're going to go to the professional ranks, but you don't, you you just don't know. I, I think about Braylon Wimmer last year, um, 18th round came back. Now he's an eighth rounder or ninth rounder, whatever it was. So really excited for these kids. And it's just, just keep that in mind when you think about the major league baseball draft going forward. So that's nine players that were associated with either last year's team or next year's team that will need to be replaced somewhere on the roster. I kind of want to look now at the current transfer class and try to piece together where these guys are going to fit next season. Obviously, pitchers have been a priority in the transfer portal so far. South Carolina doesn't have to replace every arm that they lost to the draft, as there are still some really good pitchers on the roster that didn't play a large role this past season due to injuries or just guys ahead of them that ended up getting drafted. But like I just mentioned, there are a lot of arms and innings that have been lost. In total, the Gamecocks will have to replace more than 325 innings from this past season, which I just quick math here. It's a pretty much 36, nine inning games from this year. So 
lots of pitching that has to be replaced one way or another through the portal, through kids that are already on the team, through um, this past recruiting class. So let's take a look at the incoming transfers. And this incoming transfer class right now has nine players. Three of them are pitchers and six of them are, are position players. So let's let's take a look here. South Carolina's team, um, obviously under Mark Kingston, has recruited nine players from the transfer portal. The, what's really cool, though, is you know for all the he and hauling I've heard of you know around the program, a lot of people are upset that the high school recruiting class isn't you know up to snuff of you know what we've seen in the past with you know. Number one recruiting classes in the country, top five, top ten, top fifteen. Um, this year, South Carolina recruiting class probably isn't any of those types of classes. But as I talk about in football all the time, you know the transfer portal really does help. So right now, the team sits in in number six overall in the NCAA transfer portal recruitment rankings nationally. And that comes from 6th 4 Analytics. So there aren't a whole lot of, you know, baseball recruiting ranking companies that, you know, are digging into the transfer portal like there are for football. But 6th overall in the country is a heck of a haul so far. And the Gamecocks are not going to stop recruiting, recruiting kids. So let's look at the guys that are coming in. Tyler Dean is a right-handed pitcher from Virginia Tech. He brings considerable arm strength to the team with his fastball. He could, he could play a role in the bullpen, but may require some adjustments to his mechanics you know, to be a starting pitcher. But he's a guy that the Gamecock pitching staff is, or the pitching coach is excited about, and the staff is overall and just finding the right spot for him. Garrett Ganey is a left-handed pitcher out of Liberty. He's probably going to be a short burst reliever. His strongest pitch is his changeup, but he's a, he's the kind of guy that might come in for a you know a lefty righty matchup or you know a particular batter that's at the plate in a reliever situation that can't hit a certain pitch. So look for Garrett Ganey to play a role this year. It is interesting noting that he did play for pitching coach Matt Williams last year at Liberty. So excited to see what happens there. Sometimes maybe just a new jersey and a, a new head coach can change things up. But he's a guy that I wouldn't expect to you know pitch two or three innings in any game this year. But if you can get a guy that can get a guy out, that, that's what we're looking for out of Garrett Ganey. Ty Good is a right-handed pitcher out of the College of Charleston. He's a really versatile guy. He's been a starting pitcher for um, – the College of Charleston, but he could he could be a reliever for South Carolina. I don't know if they want to make him a closer, if they want to just have some someone that can eat up innings um, out of the bullpen. But he's a guy that will be exciting to watch. He he has a lot of accolades coming out of College of Charleston. I think he was the pitcher of the year in the conference. So keep your eye on Ty Good. He's a, definitely a good right-handed arm either out of the bullpen or potentially a midweek starter, a, a Saturday, Sunday starter in the SEC. So we'll see what happens there. That is all of the pitchers that are currently committed to the Gamecocks from the transfer portal. Austin Brindling 
uh, outfielder, North Florida. Really good center fielder. He's pretty good batter as well. He's a versatile player that can fit into any position that the staff sees fit. So just a utility guy that the Gamecocks probably need just for flexibility. Tyler Causey is a guy we haven't talked about yet. He's an infielder who transferred for, from North Carolina. Really big kid. Uh, six foot six. He's had some injuries in North Carolina, but he was one of those guys that, you know, I don't know if he was top 50 or top 100, but he was a really big get for North Carolina from the high school ranks. He just, he brings a lot of power and he's probably going to play a corner infield spot. I don't know if he can play in the outfield, but maybe a DH, maybe a third baseman, maybe a, maybe a first baseman, but he has the potential to get into the lineup somewhere, at least for his bat. Blake Jackson, we've talked about before, an outfielder from Charlotte, primarily a left fielder, uh, probably a lower third of the batting order player, but as much depth as you can get, you're going to take, and this is a kid that's had success against um, South Carolina in particular and other Power 5 teams. Kennedy Jones is the crown jewel of the NCAA transfer portal class this year for South Carolina. Depending on the team's needs, Jones could play left field, first base. I don't think he's really a center fielder, but he's a kid that's going to provide a lot of pop to the Gamecock offense. He's definitely a top third of the order hitter. So excited about Kennedy Jones. Parker Nolan, infielder from Vanderbilt, played a lot of innings, played a lot of games, played a lot of ball, started for Vanderbilt all over the field. Another utility guy that has, I think he has over 600 at-bats at the SEC level. So nothing he sees this year as a Gamecock is going to surprise him. He might start practice as a second baseman. And it's it's one of those positions where you, you don't turn down a Parker Nolan because he's going to have some versatility and he's not really someone that you're we're, we're kind of worried about you know going to the draft. So excited about him. Dalton Reeves, um, primarily a catcher. Um, maybe a backup catcher or designated hitter. He's from Presbyterian, mainly recruited for his offense. We'll see, you know, where he actually fits into the puzzle. But if you guys remember this past, you know, preseason, we had a lot of players like, you know, Petri, who was, you know, pretty abysmal in the preseason, but ended up being one of the best bats we had in the lineup. And, other players that were the best bats in the preseason that ended up, you know, not being the best bats when the when the lights turned on for the regular season. So you're you're just trying to accrue talent here, and you and baseball is a weird sport. You just never know when somebody is going to pop and when somebody is going to get on a run. And you know, all these guys that they have brought in through the transfer portal are guys that are going to help this team. And that's obviously noted by having the sixth best transfer portal class in the country, according to that one in particular website. So the team is still actively continuing its recruitment for additional players, mainly pitchers right now. Just a lot of innings, over 325 innings they have to make up either between existing players, freshmen, and the transfer portal. So... Quick note here when we talk about pitching, the Gamecocks did get a late commitment from the high school ranks recently in right-handed pitcher Joey Wittig. He was a commit committed to, I believe it was Air Force, and he has a lot of juice in his fastball, but his best pitch is, is going to be a slider. 
he was a kid really important to get into the boat late. He has a really bright future at South Carolina. He's probably going to start as a reliever. Kind of think about um, some guys we've had recently that kind of worked their way from a reliever, closer into a starting pitching role. So absolutely fantastic get this late in the process. Before we move on from baseball, currently the Gamecock staff feels that they have a combination of nine nine players starting for um, or vying for starting pitching duties and 11 guys who can be relievers in some capacity as, as either inning eaters, um, get a few guys out, uh, or closers. So there's still, there's still a lot of arms there with a likely addition of a few more guys via transfer. So I see a lot of, you know, just hand wringing on the message board talking about we need more pitchers or we don't have enough high end pitchers. I promise you that the Gamecock coaching staff does not feel the same way. Um, pitchers are prone to injuries, so you always want to have more pitchers than you would think is necessary. But the Gamecock coaching staff is pretty confident with a lot of the pitchers they have returning and, you know, getting some more talent, especially like a, a Ty Good. I mean, the guys we just talked about, they're all going to have a role in this pitching staff. And I wouldn't be too worried about that. Matt Williams is an excellent pitching coach and he's going to maximize what he has out of his pitching pitching staff. All in all, you know, as we sit here right now, I still like the Gamecocks' chances of competing next year for a top eight, top 16 national seed in the NCAA tournament. And really, I've told this to you guys in past podcasts, but that should be the expectation. More years than not, South Carolina should be a top eight, top 16 seed. More often than not, they should be hosting a regional in in play to host a super regional. So the mix of arms combined with the bats coming back and, and into the program should be enough for the pitching staff to figure it out on their end of things in due time. As always, y'all, I love Carolina baseball, and I stay as plugged into the program as I can. But like I say every episode that I discuss baseball, John Whittle, my buddy from the Big Spur, is the best in the business when it comes to reporting on the Gamecock baseball program, and you can find him all over the Big Spur. So if baseball is your thing and you haven't joined the Big Spur yet, make sure you do and check out his work. You're not going to regret it. Like I've said it a million times, John Whittle alone for baseball for Carolina, and as passionate as Gamecock fans are about you know Gamecock baseball, John Whittle is worth $10 a month, and that's not even including the other folks on the website that do a fantastic job with their writing, way more than I do. Uh, I pop in from time to time, but the, um, the Tony Morels of the world, the the John Whittles, the J.C. Sherberts, the Hale McGranahans, the Alex Jones, you're not going to find a better bang for your buck than a Big Spur membership. So talking about a Big Spur membership, moving on to Gamecock football recruiting news. The Gamecocks recently missed out on two four-star players ranked inside of the top um, 247 players in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. The first one is Keelan Adams out of Virginia, a four-star wide receiver. His decision came down to South Carolina and Virginia Tech, and he recently made his commitment to the Hokies. I'll go ahead and tell you this recruitment was a really weird one. After his Gamecocks unofficial visit, he was all Gamecocks. 
if I had a crystal ball, it would have been entered for the Gamecocks with the confidence of like a 9 or 10 out of a possible 10 confidence level. After the Gamecocks' unofficial visit, he went to Alabama, and the visit really didn't move the needle for him. But then after his Virginia Tech visit, and that was an official visit, the whispers kind of started. The Hokies put together an NIL package that a close family member viewed as more attractive than what the Gamecocks were able to offer. I don't want to say that was you know, a straight NIL recruitment, but at the end there, there was enough smoke to say that NIL was probably the reason the Gamecocks lost some steam after his visit to South Carolina and then his official visit to Virginia Tech. This was a recruitment against Keelan Adams' home state team. And as I mentioned on past podcasts, when the home state school is involved, you just you, you can never you can never discount it. From what I've been told though, South Carolina had a really good NIL package, but the potential to earn more through NIL was one hundred percent present at Virginia Tech. I don't want to spend too much time <clears throat> excuse me. I don't want to spend too much time on this coming off of a very NIL-centric show last week, but this was a case where the folks around the Gamecocks and NIL, I think that they had to make a business decision on, on money management. You can't promise every kid in the world, you know, you can't promise every kid in the world the, the, the world. Like, I mean, there's there's limited amount of funds that you have to determine you know, where can go to players on the team, future recruits, transfer portal. And, and unfortunately right now, and I say unfortunately, I mean, it's unfortunate in some ways, but the Gamecocks aren't sitting on, you know, crazy NIL money. There, there are business decisions that have to be made and you can't just promise a kid, you know, X amount of dollars because Virginia Tech did and, and you want to match it and you think you can get them if you match it because, you know, there's just, there's other, there's other variables at play here. There might be some guys that haven't committed yet that money is set aside for from different businesses that want to promote that in particular player. And I told you it's all about branding. So you can't just throw hypothetical money at a kid and say this is the opportunity you're going to have. But the Gamecocks do need to be competitive against the Virginia Techs of the world when dealing with a mid-four-star, top-250 kid. If it came down to NIL, and I haven't heard the exact offers, but the Gamecocks might have been strapped here and have other players on their board and, and NIL offerings that are in place for other kids and the money just wasn't there, in my opinion, to make it work and fight off the home state school. Like I've said a million times, NIL is a good thing in a lot of ways. And look, Keelan Adams is a great kid. I think he's going to have a great career at Virginia Tech. But if there's the opportunity to make a little bit more money here than it is there, and you like both schools equally, where would you pick? So I always trust... You know, the, the guys that run the NIL collectives and the the way the money is spread out and where it goes and all that. But I I don't think this recruitment is over. I I don't know what happens with the Virginia Tech this year. The Hokies are not projected to have a great record this year. I don't know how much time, 
you know, Funtes has, Fuentes has as a, as the Virginia Tech head coach. But it's always important to mention that Adams has not used his official visit to South Carolina yet. And I have a strong feeling that he'll eventually make it back to campus before he signs scholarship papers. But if he doesn't make it back to campus in some form or fashion before signing day, I just wouldn't hold your breath on a flip here. And I didn't want to go into too much of an NIL tirade there, but it's just one of those things where, you know, it's, I just want you guys to know like the, the thought process that happens and, you know, why on the message boards, people are talking about South Carolina didn't have enough NIL. South Carolina needs more NIL, but at the end of the day, you have to be conscientious of, you know, who your partners are and where you can put money in different places. Another guy that South Carolina missed on was four-star safety Malcolm Ziegler out of North Carolina. He made his commitment to North Carolina public earlier today. I've seen a lot of rumors and heard a lot of rumors that Ziegler has been silently committed to North Carolina for at least a month. And if that's the case, he did a really good job in keeping it under wraps. He has been studying his communication with South Carolina staff and and they were not told prior to his commitment, at least when um, Tony, Mor- Tony Morrell reported on the Big Spur earlier today that two or three hours ahead of his commitment, you know, South Carolina was not told that they were out of it uh, for him. So he did a really good job in keeping things under wraps if he really was silently committed for a month. I don't know if anything happens here going forward. I would expect that the Gamecock staff stays in touch to a degree. But if Mac Brown stays in North Carolina next season, I think it's safe to assume Ziegler will keep his commitment to North Carolina and be a Tar Heel next football season there. But I've talked about this in past podcasts. If something happens with Mac Brown prior to signing day, all bets are off the table. And I'm not sitting here saying that Mac Brown goes, you know, to retirement or gets fired. I'm not saying anything like that, but if he retires, if he decides to leave coaching, whatever, if it's late in the game, like, like that would be, then there are going to be a lot of college football teams that are going to be knocking on Malcolm Ziegler's door and any other North Carolina commitment or any commitment to anybody else that has a coaching change. There are going to be a lot of players that are, theoretically available after a coaching change. So I'm I'm not going to shut the door on Malcolm Ziegler, but I'm also not going to try and you know tell you guys that it's something that's imminent or anything like that. I know that South Carolina might have finished second. According to folks I've talked to, I always thought Notre Dame was kind of second there in that recruitment. But Gamecocks missed out on him, and he's going to stay with his home state. Kind of a recurring theme here. And with this next guy, too, it's a recurring theme. Another guy that we've talked about on the show is four-star running back Braylon Russell out of Arkansas. I wouldn't say the Gamecocks really missed out here, as they have had and continue to have Daniel Hill higher on their recruiting board. But Russell ended up recommitting to Arkansas over the weekend. So you can pretty much take him off the Gamecock football recruiting board. There would have to be some crazy circumstances for a kid who decommitted from Arkansas, from Arkansas, recommitted to Arkansas. I would just say that he's probably going to be an Arkansas Razorback in his future. 
So those are the three guys that we've talked about on this on this show recently that are now committed to other programs. While an announcement hasn't been made yet, I would consider Penn State the leader in the clubhouse for Liam Andrews. I think the Gamecocks would be his second favorite team right now, but I'm hearing that Penn State has the lead there, and I I, I wouldn't discount an announcement happening here in the near future. I don't know if this is an NIL deal or not, but it was always going to be tough to get a kid from up north to come all the way down to South Carolina. And Penn State's kind of been like the stronger, longer team there with Liam Andrews. So those four guys, uh, just it was fun talking about them. I, I, I wish them all a lot of success in their career, except when they play the Gamecocks. But I do still feel, feel really good about the following players. Wide receiver Jonathan Paler, he's on commitment watch right now with a decision coming later this month or early August. I still like the Gamecocks a lot there. Running back Daniel Hill, the Gamecocks have kind of steadied themselves here, and they are definitely in the pole position to land him in August when he commits. But as of today, I feel great about the Gamecocks landing Hill. But as we've talked about, Daniel Hill has kind of been a recruitment that's kind of been – you know, a little bit wishy-washy for a little bit. I don't want to say that I have like a Keelan Adams vibe here because the Keelan Adams vibe kind of went towards Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, gaining ground, gaining ground, gaining ground. And with Daniel Hill, it's kind of been South Carolina. Okay, Alabama got in the picture. Okay, let's talk about Alabama a little bit. But then it kind of went back to Gamecocks, Gamecocks, Gamecocks. So just take that for what it's worth. Like I say every every episode, recruits can change their mind whenever and however they want to, and and that that's that's their right. You know, all we can do is just tell you what we what we think right now. So Daniel Hill, I think, is back. You know, back over to the Gamecock side of side of the recruitment at the moment. We're going to talk about defensive end Dylan Stewart, five star kid, um, until he commits somewhere. But Dylan Stewart will be back in town for the July Gamecock cookout, and I feel really, really good about where the Gamecocks stand for him. I firmly believe that as of today, he'll be a Gamecock sooner rather than later. His kind of commitment time frame has always been late July, August, maybe September. He's wanting to get this done before his senior year starts, and if you've listened to any other nine podcasts, I'm pretty sure I've talked about Dylan Stewart at least six or seven times now. Until somebody tells me otherwise, I'm just telling all of you that I feel good about the Gamecocks chances. And I promise if anything changes there, I might just do an emergency five minute show to tell you guys that, Hey, it's not looking great or something like that, but that has not happened yet. So very excited about the possibility of Dylan Stewart being added to the class. Obviously, he's the crown jewel of any recruitment class in the country, but especially for South Carolina with the Gamecocks' needs for defensive ends. So really like the chances with Dylan Stewart right now. I know that there was a lot of scuttlebutt last week, two weeks ago, about Ohio State and crystal balls, but I'm just telling you what I've been told. I like the Gamecocks' chances. I don't know if there's 
anyone else that I would put in the category as a likely Gamecock right now. And just to be honest with you, um, I've talked about guys in the past that the Gamecocks felt really good about that gave all the positive vibes in the world, but recruiting is kind of slowed down right now. And the, and the extent of visits and dead periods and stuff like that. So the communication has gotten a little bit slower. Um, it's kind of hard to get a read on a lot of players like during dead periods and when there's not, you know, unofficial and official visits happening. So right now, those are the three guys I feel pretty good about. The Gamecocks currently have 13 commitments and I think they're going to take around 25 ish players in this class. I think the number could go to 27, 28 if it's the right guys. But I also know that the coaching staff is will hold scholarships for the transfer portal again after this upcoming season. So if you add the three guys I feel good about right now, there's room for another eight, nine, ten players in this class. I would also caution all of you, don't get too caught up in the team recruiting rankings right now on 24-7 or any other recruiting rankings website because while the Gamecocks have seen other schools around the country jump them, in the team rankings, they still have a high quality core of recruits and they're going to add more soon. The Gamecocks will likely be up to double digit four and five star players. So when I say double digit, I mean like 10, 11, 12, four to five star players before the season kicks off in September. And I'm just not sure we've ever seen that type of class this early in the recruiting calendar. Uh, there's been a lot of years the Gamecocks have got. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 4 and 5 star kids. Well, not not a heck of a lot of times it's been, you know, double digits, but to have that many high caliber players at this point in the recruiting process before the season kicks off, that's what Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Southern Cal and Oklahoma and Texas, you know, those kind of blue blood teams, Ohio State, that's what they have before the season kicks off. So, I would just caution all of you that are, you know, looking at, you know, where the Gamecocks rank right now um, in the recruiting rankings and just say, like, oh, my gosh, we're getting passed by. Like, that's not the case. The Gamecocks are still in for a heck of a lot of good players. And when you take into account the Gamecocks classes or the Gamecock class average player ranking or rating, the Gamecocks recruiting class has an average of 90.66, which is good for 12th in the nation. That average player rating is also currently being dragged down a good bit by punter Mason Love, whose rating is like an 80.66 or an 81 or an 82 or something. If you remove Mason from this class, which believe me, you wouldn't want to do. That is a Pete Limbo special. He went out, targeted him, got him early. But if you removed Mason Love from the recruiting rankings, and punters all punters and kickers always have a low rating, so don't let that you know 80, 81, 82 ratings make you think that Mason Love is not an excellent addition to this class. But if you remove Mason Love, you'd have the Gamecocks firmly in the top seven to ten classes in the country based on an individual player rating level. And a lot of the teams that are ranked ahead of the Gamecocks right now currently have classes with. 20 plus players already committed and the number of recruits committed to a team plays into the overall team rankings. I always judge a class by the individual player rating average of the class, because I think it's a more accurate ranking 
of the talent in the class, not just the number of players in the class. So Gamecocks are still are still trending very highly in the recruiting rankings, even though I think they're like 22nd or 23rd in the 24-7 composite team rankings. That's not the complete picture. I mean, just imagine having a puzzle laid out in front of you and you only have about half of the puzzle done and you're still ranked 22nd in the country. That That's just, that's fantastic. I've never seen the Gamecocks recruit this well with, you know, two more four stars likely to jump in the boat here before the season. And then obviously Dylan Stewart, a five star, which is really going to take that team ranking up quite a bit. So don't get... Don't get crazy with recruiting rankings right now. I just urge you guys, don't get crazy with it. Um, It's all going to work out. I think you're going to see the Gamecocks finish in the top 10, top 15 in the country, maybe higher. A lot of these kids are going to get rating boosts. A lot of kids committed to other teams are going to get, you know, rating decreases. And the Gamecocks will probably have their fair share of kids that get, you know, downgraded in the rankings. But the high-end talent, I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to go anywhere when it comes to the the individual player rankings. So with recruiting out of the way, I thought it'd be a fun to do a bit of a deep dive into Shane Beamer's career as um, a coach, as a graduate assistant, assistant coach and head coach, as it's related to recruiting. I think that when you look at what Shane is doing so far as the head coach at South Carolina, this type of recruiting success should have been predicted. And I'm just not shocked by how fast it's occurring. So I'm doing a deep dive into Shane Beamer, um, the staffs he's been a part of from a recruiting standpoint. This is the dog days or the off season. So you might see a couple more podcasts, a couple more shows, maybe some articles on the Big Spur talking about this. But recruiting is very much on every ardent college football fan's mind right now. Consequently, it's the perfect time to delve into the impressive history of Shane Beamer whose career spans across a variety of coaching roles, culminating in his current position as South Carolina's head coach. Shane Beamer's football journey began at Virginia Tech, where he walked on and played under his father, Hall of Fame coach Frank Beamer. Uh, Shane transitioned from a wide receiver to a long snapper during the 1999 season, which was a pivotal time for the Hokies as they lost in the national championship game. A lot of you guys remember that. That was the Michael Vick year. But after college, Beamer started his coaching journey at Georgia Tech in 2000 as a graduate assistant coach. From there, he moved to Tennessee, where he was also a graduate assistant, and he was there for three years. His first assistant coaching job came in 20 or 2004 when he joined Mississippi state as a cornerback coach and recruiting coordinator in 2006. He moved to be the running backs coach while retaining his recruiting duties under Shane stewardship. The Bulldogs consistently averaged the 34th best recruiting class in the nation. So, if you guys have paid attention lately, the Mississippi State Bulldogs are traditionally not a top 25 team recruiting the country. They're usually in that 30 to 50 range. But, you know, Shane immediately became recruiting coordinator at Mississippi State, and they averaged the 34th best recruiting class in the nation. In 2007, um, Shane made his first entry into the Gamecock program where he served in a variety of roles over the next few years. His positions included coaching outside linebackers, 
quarterbacks, safeties, special teams, and acting as a recruiting coordinator. When Shane was with the Gamecocks his first go-around, the Gamecocks recruiting class ranked on average as the 23rd best in the country under his guidance. So just look at that transition. Mississippi State, hard to recruit there, 34th in the country. South Carolina, yeah, he had you know the Steve Spurrier name to recruit to, but immediately Gamecocks went to the 23rd best recruiting class in the country. And if you follow Gamecock recruiting, you know, traditionally the Gamecocks have ended up somewhere in that, you know, 20 to 30 range. So Shane has been around this, you know, for a long time. He's been a recruiting coordinator for a long time. He kind of knows the ins and outs of recruiting. Um, After Shane left South Carolina, he returned to Virginia Tech and he coached with his dad. This period of time saw the Hokies average the 25th best recruiting class in the country. Um, so, I mean, if you think about that, you know, going from 34th in Mississippi State, Virginia Tech's always been kind of a diamond in the rough type program, but he's helped teams go to consistently be in the top 25 in the country. Um, after he left Virginia Tech, he um, went to Georgia and Oklahoma. And at Georgia and Oklahoma, their recruiting classes ranked on average as the sixth and ninth best in the country. Um, these impressive numbers clearly demonstrate Beamer's prowess in attracting and nurturing talent. He he understands the game, and that's one thing that you know we talk about NIL, and I talk about it. You know, I've been talking about it a lot lately. But when you can combine what Shane Beamer can do already outside of an NIL world and what he has as his track record with these kind of blue blood teams and, and being intricately associated with recruiting, the sky's the limit at South Carolina. I mean, we talk about Kirby Smart all the time, and Kirby Smart was a career assistant and you know was at Alabama under Nick Saban forever and kind of learned the ropes on how to run a program, learned the ropes on you know how to how to recruit and how to you know put things in place for student athletes. Like Shane Beamer is no exception to that. What's really cool is since Shane Beamer came to South Carolina, the recruiting classes have averaged the 32nd best in the nation. But if you exclude the initial recruitment class when, you know, he spent some time in Oklahoma before, you know, coming over to South Carolina, um, the Gamecocks had a pretty putrid recruiting class that year. Uh, it was just kind of putting everything together best Shane could after Will Muschamp left and decommitments and that sort of thing and just grabbing who you could later in the process. So 32nd overall, you know, in his, I don't know, is that this would be his third recruiting class of South Carolina. But if you exclude that initial recruitment class, the Gamecocks have an average of the 20.5 best recruiting class in the country. And as it stands right now, the Gamecocks rank, you know, 22nd. In, in the country and recruiting or 23rd, whatever it is with the 12th best class, just based on individual rating. So Shane's recruiting acumen is irrefutable and his success across several stops in his career bears testament to that. He has a rich history as a recruiting coordinator and associate head coach, head coach, and he's got the perfect blend of skills and experience to continue to secure elite recruiting classes, classes now at South Carolina as any seasoned football enthusiast knows, recruiting forms the backbone of consistent college football success. Gamecock fans have a reason to celebrate as Beamer seems to be ticking all the 
all the right boxes when it comes to recruitment. With Bieber at the helm, the future for South Carolina is indeed very promising. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there right now. I've seen so much scuttlebutt around the Gamecock program of, oh my gosh, we had the fifth best recruiting class and the 12th best, and then we had the 16th, and now it's the 23rd. We're slipping. Gamecocks are not slipping. Trust in Shane Beamer. Trust in what the coaches are doing. And I think you'll be really excited with the results of this recruiting class and the groundwork that they're laying for future recruiting classes. And NIL is definitely going to help with that. But everyone, that's all the time that we have tonight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Late Night Gamecock Show. As always, you can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. Feel free to shoot any questions, comments, anything at all. I'm here for you guys. Again, uh, late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com and the Big Spur under the username Matt Anderson. I hope that you all have a great night and I will talk to you Thursday.